Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Scott Luton, Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Gregory, how are we doing? Quite well. And I think everybody's about to find out why today has got to be the luckiest Friday the 13th ever. So. <laughs> well, um, I've got to get you to, uh, well, first off, folks, welcome to today's live stream. We've got a great conversation teed up. It's going to be all about healthcare from a supply chain and innovation and really a leadership perspective. So stay yeah. tuned for an awesome opportunity to increase your supply chain IQ. But Greg, yes. before we get folks to buckle up and get ready and, and let us know where they're tuned in from and we say hello to some folks, you got to share that t-shirt you've got on because that's going to resonate with, I think, lots of folks that we have on our live stream today. Well, I, I mean, today's sponsor <laughs> is Callahan Auto Parts. <laughs> Uh, the same auto part manufacturer that was part of the infamous Tommy Boy movie, which is iconic from the 90s, right? Chris Farley. Tommy sold a half a million brake pads. <laughs> well, the other thing we got to point out here is uh, you are pretty uh, infamous for saying that everything you ever want to know about salesmanship. That's right. You can learn in Tommy Boy. Is that right? Greatest sales training movie ever produced, un unquestionably. <laughs> yes. Well, we've got uh, a things you should and should not do in the sales process. Sorry, right? <laughs> Including never mess with if if your prospect has any types of of antique toys. That's right. Your desk. Do not light them on fire. <laughs> right. Lessons to live life by. All right. So we've got a great conversation teed up. Uh, we've got a couple of our friends and executive leaders from UPS doing some big things in pandemic relief. Uh, that we're going to dive into. But before we do that, um, I want to share this one event we've got uh, that we are really excited about being yeah. part of, Greg. This is UPS Supply Chain Solutions' second semi-annual Supply Chain Virtual Connect, and it's going to be held on September 1st. Uh, we're going to uh, be, be a part of one of the segments. And, Greg, you know what we're big fans of, we talk about a lot, is companies that invest in in free opportunities to not only gather market intel, but network and exchange right. best practices, right? Yeah. The only thing that would make it better, Scott, is if we were broadcasting from the nose of that plane, would that not <laughs> be cool? cool. It, right. That Let's would, work on that. Let's see what we can do about that. <laughs> All right. Production team. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think, look, um, we're, you know, we're talking about this all the time, right? And I think who better to, to give us some insight than UPS? So, Absolutely. Based yeah, I mean, right here. And they're bringing together such an incredible group of leaders. It's going to be really valuable to sit down and, and learn from. That's right. Mark your calendars, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern time, Wednesday, September 1st. And who knows, maybe the third semi-annual, Greg, will be in the nose of that plane. We'll have to check it out. Uh, but Love that idea, though. <laughs> it's a great idea, I think. Um, but in, in really you're going to get a bit of a coming attraction with today's conversation, I bet, because I'm sure we'll be touching on a lot of things that that uh, healthcare supply chain, uh, some of the challenges and, and innovation has been thrust upon that industry. Um, all right. So before we bring on our two special guests, we really enjoyed the pre-show conversations with, uh, let's say hello to a few folks that are tuned in. Sage Logic via YouTube. Maybe a, a new uh, individual is going to hold down that YouTube channel for us, Greg. There you go. Clay Phillips, Clay, Amanda, Allie, and Jada are holding down the production fort behind the scenes today. Big thanks to what all they do. Barbara via LinkedIn tuned in from Marietta, Georgia. Hello, Barbara. Great to have you back. I think she was with us. Um, a few Just days down ago. the street here. So, <laughs> uh, Kevin says Sandusky, Ohio. Yes, Callahan. <laughs> Love that. Hey, a true fan. Big fan. <laughs> Delapo, great to have you back. It's been a long time yeah. since uh, we last connected. Uh, great to see you here. She's tuned in from Alpharetta, Georgia. We, we exchanged uh, uh, notes this morning. So Delapo, great to see you. And I believe she is in the supply chain advisory uh, business. So y'all reach out and at a minimum connect with Delapo. Great to have you here today. Rhonda, Dr. Bumpenza Zimmerman from Arizona is back with us. Hello, lovely folks. Uh, Brian Pachaki 
Brian, hello via LinkedIn from Huntsville, Alabama. Ever been to Huntsville, Greg? I don't think so. You got to go. You know, it, Do I? Why is yes. that? Well, you know, they played such a big role Food? in our space program. Oh. And oh. Uh, they've got the Rocket Museum there. And and uh, for your purposes, Greg, it's also uh, has a pretty vibrant uh, startup and entre- entrepreneurial community there. Well, let's stop in. I'm sure my... I, one of my younger brothers went to space camp in Alabama, so I bet it was there, wasn't it? <laughs> Could have been. I'm not sure where space camp is, I, but it was a good movie in 1986. I did enjoy space camp, the movie. You you missed that There's one? really a movie, okay? There's, there's two now. Hold on, I got to make a note. My kids had just told me last week that that uh, they have an updated movie now from uh, the 86 original. So A remake um, of space camp. A remake. How about that? Felicia is back with us from the Reverse Logistics Association, one of our favorites. We've missed you too, Felicia. Yeah, she likes Fridays. She likes us on Fridays. Thank you, Felicia. I miss hearing Greg correctly pronounce your entire name, Felicia. You want me to do it? Please. Hers below. I think I might have messed it up that time. Hers below. Yeah. <laughs> well, regardless, great to have you back, Felicia, and we look forward to uh, continuing that Reverse Logistics series with our friends at RLA. Natalie Christian is back. Natalie, hope this finds you well uh, via LinkedIn. Get get ready. You're going to want to uh, chime Seems in. like these people ought to be working on Friday, doesn't it, Scott? <laughs> but Maybe so. Uh, Flor Martinez from Mexico via LinkedIn. Great to see you here. Thomas Edlin from Norway is tuned in ah, via LinkedIn. Wow. We're coming up on winter in Norway, aren't we? Uh, I think, yeah. I guess they reverse the seasons. No, maybe. no, no. They're just so far north that it's it comes, you know, even though the seasonal lines don't, you know, don't change, it still comes pretty early. Well, you spent a bunch of time uh, in the Scandinavian Peninsula, right? I have. I love it up there. Norway Ashley, is the quietest, politest, beautifulest place. Really. We will have to check it out in the belly of that or in the nose of that plane at the third annual semi semi annual event. That we'll is see. A great idea. Work out those logistics. Ashley uh, Ashley Evans from San Diego, beautiful San Diego, California, via LinkedIn. Great to see you. Yeah, we don't need a weather uh, report from there. We already know what it is. Right. <laughs> hey, uh, we've got UPS supply chain folks tuning in from Columbus, Ohio. Columbus. Hello, Valerie, uh, on LinkedIn. Barbara, see, this is the, the world gets so smaller when you when you do these um, these live yeah. streams. Barbara used to live in Huntsville now in the Atlanta area. I'm going to see how far that is from my house. I bet it's not that far. I, I remember seeing the town. Well, we also have one of the uh, senior leaders of UPS. Romaine is with us. Now, I believe Romaine will be one of the great keynotes at the September 1st event. So, Romaine, great to have you here. Look forward to hearing and um, connecting with you very soon. So, no pressure on the stars. <laughs> no, pre- right? no pressure on our two dear uh, friends and featured guests here today. Are we ready to to bring them into the stream, Greg? I think it's the appropriate time, Scott. Let's do it. Uh, today, folks, we've got uh, two rock and roll supply chain leaders. We've got Dan Gagnon, Vice President, Global UPS Healthcare Marketing and Strategy with UPS Healthcare, and Tim Fosno, Senior Director, UPS Global Freight Forwarding. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Tim, Dan, how are we doing? Good. Wonderful. Rock stars. Yeah, right? Congratulations. <laughs> It was, it was up until the time I think we heard about Friday the 13th. I don't think we were paying attention to the calendar until... Uh, <laughs> I, I wanted to warn you before you got on the air, so... A little, little nervous. Okay. <laughs> I don't we all should that. be, shouldn't we? I mean, we should all yes. be nervous together on Friday the 13th. <laughs> well, plus Romaine is here with us, and uh, we got yeah. we got to uh, do it by the book here for sure, but... We're gonna have you know we had a great time in the pre-show conversation. Dan, you and I met uh, and have connected previous before. I've always enjoyed those interactions. Yeah, and I really am um, looking forward to uh, some of the subject matter we're gonna talk about here today. UPS doing some great things, but before we get there, Greg, Tim, and Dan, before we get there, and, and we still have folks streaming in. Hello to Wa. Uh, let's see here, Wanedu, I believe via LinkedIn from Nigeria. Great to have you here. Danny is tuned in. He's excited about it being a Friday. I am as well despite the fact that it's the 13th. Antonio uh, also looks like a UPSer via LinkedIn. Great to see you there. Uh, one final one here. Charles Heater, Dan and Tim, just to let y'all know, Charles Heater brings it. He's like a closer, 
not for the Braves. He's better. He brings the heater. Yeah. Yes, he brings the heater. Thank you, Greg. Um, so Charles, looking forward to your POV here today. Uh, and Romaine, we have we have the official permission. Have fun, not by the book. I love you guys. <laughs> love that. All right, so let's have a little fun. It is a good day, isn't it? It is a it great is. day. Um, before we get into the heavy lifting, we're going to be talking about some of the innovation in supply chain and healthcare supply chain that you are involved in. Let's get to know you all both a little bit better first. So I'm going to start with Dan. Dan, tell us, uh, we'd love to know where folks grew up. So fill us in there. Yeah, so um, you know, I was telling you earlier, so I, you know, it's a tough question to answer. I've lived both domestically and abroad, but born in Warwick, Rhode Island, uh, but I think, you know, I did most of my growing up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, went to high school, went to the University of Pittsburgh, uh, both for undergrad and MBA. And uh, yeah, I am a hardcore black and yellow fan, all sports. And Pretty exciting. So a uh, huge Pitt fan, but does it all, when you say black and yellow, you're referring to the Pittsburgh Steelers as well, right? Oh, yeah. And Penguins. Yep. And us Penguins. Oh, okay. gosh, that's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Pirates. Yeah. yeah, there's only Mario. two colors in that town. I didn't, That's I, right. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I didn't either. I didn't either. Now I'll know. But but Mario Lemieux, uh, man, they were some incredible Pirates teams from from this. When I actively watched Sports Center, it seemed like they won every NHL season. Uh, legends. Yeah, Mario played hockey. It would have been awesome if he did play baseball, right. but he played hockey. And uh, yeah, he oh. was he was phenomenal. Yeah, uh, we got the Pittsburgh Steelers football, Pittsburgh Pirates baseball, and yep. and the Pittsburgh Penguins. I got that reversed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, Dan, great to have you. Uh, don't go anywhere. We've got uh, lots of questions, including a, uh, a fun question coming up next. But let's let's dive into Tim's background. So, Tim, tell folks where you're from. So, I'm uh, from Marion, Indiana, uh, the great Hoosier state, and uh, graduated from Ball State University in the early 80s. And uh, most of us may not know that uh, two uh, infamous people from Ball State, David Letterman and uh, and Garfield the Cat. So those are, you know, I'll let you I'll let you group those two into whatever category you choose. Uh, and and uh, one of my favorite things about going back to Indiana to visit is the fried pork tenderloin sandwich. Ooh. Comes out about the size of a uh, of a basketball on a bun, and it is good eating. Bad for your heart, bad for the cholesterol. But uh, what wonderful food. That's why you only eat it when you're in college there, I hope, right? That's, yeah. That's it. But just, right? clearly you come from a long line of entertainers at Ball State. So you've set the bar high again, Tim. There you go. Well, That's, and why, you, that's also, why you're rock stars. There you go. <laughs> He's thrown down the gauntlet when it comes to food. And, and that's one of our favorite topics to talk about here. Um, so, and, and, and by the way, uh, Garfield the cat, I can't, anytime cats come up, it, it reminds me of uh, Greg's cat. Named shenanigans, not as, shenanigans. As cats. Hey, but let's talk thunder. about um, <laughs> thunder. Thunder. Let's cat. talk about National Prosecco Day. Uh, who would have thunk it? We have a National Prosecco Day. It's it's interesting if you start tracking to see uh, how many things are celebrated each day of the year. But Prosecco. So, question for I'm gonna go back to Dan here and Greg. I'm gonna get your take on this question too. So, what is when you when during the weekends when you can unplug, watch that. Uh, your choice of the black and gold game, whatever's in season, what, what, uh, beverage and maybe what do you pair it with? What's your go-to Dan? So what's interesting, I had no idea there was a national Prosecco day. I will say it's my, my wife's favorite drink. So I don't know if there's some day drinking going on now at home or not. uh, (laughs) You'll find out. I, I, when I get home, I guess we'll find that out. (laughs) Right. Uh, I'm, I'm a pretty, I'm, I'm a simple guy when it comes to when it comes to alcohol here, and I'm just a beer guy. I am just plain and simple. You of course, over Pittsburgh. 50, now I need to go to the Ultra and the, the Miller Lights. But, um, yeah. That's I love handy. that. And, Rhonda, yep. you're right. We do seem to be in lots of food discussions on Fridays. I think we're all looking forward to breaking our diets uh, this weekend. We'll see. All right, so that was Dan's answer. Pretty uh, straightforward answer there. Tim, what about you? So I'm, I'm going to go for the red wine. Uh, my wife and I enjoy a little bit of red wine. We're uh, probably partial to the Pacific Northwest grape, maybe the Columbia Valley, a little smoother, a little fuller, uh, fuller and uh, we enjoy that. And similar to Garfield, we're going to pair that with lasagna uh, or some type Ooh. of Italian dish, right? Are you going to do that tonight? Because I'm either, free. Either tonight or tomorrow. Oh. It, it'll, <laughs> Definitely. And I'll think of the two of you when we're doing it. So, you know, I, I waited tables throughout my time in college and Dynamite Vineyards, I think, is based up in the Pacific Northwest. And mm-hmm. That was always a, a big home run. Uh, I think they had a big cab that we sold a lot of at one of the restaurants. So mm-hmm. I'm with you, Tim. Um, all right. So, Greg, 
uh, our, our culinary artist here. What's your go-to? Uh, I'm a bourbon guy. So uh, not that I won't drink Prosecco. It has its proper place in the meal, but um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, yeah, bourbon or scotch on the rocks or up. Okay, uh, and that not, doesn't really pair with food. It prepares you for food. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Well, now that every, we've made everybody hungry, and as Clay said, that, that, that is thirsty. what we get. Yeah, and thirsty for scheduling all of our live streams and lunch. But, you know, another little interesting thing looking at uh, the folks in the skyboxes here, uh, Marion's turning some heads. So Delapo lived there in Marion for three years. That's a, a fun, small fact. Wow. And Marion... Natalie says was home to James Dean as well. Is that right? That is. Wow. Yes. How I would that? lead with that. Wow. That's impressive. <laughs> well, um, Delapo and James Dean, two of the coolest people I know all from Marion uh, and Tim. Tim, of add, course. Three of the yeah. coolest people I know yeah. all from Marion, Indiana. <laughs> that's right. Who do, Who's famous from, from Marion? <laughs> Tim Fosno and James, James Dean. Dean. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. All right. So one final question before I throw it over to uh, Greg and we dive more into some of the neat things that y'all been involved with. Um, let's let's level set a bit and starting with Dan, tell us what you do at UPS. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I've been at UPS 32 years, about 17 of them have been in different roles in healthcare. Uh, right now I'm the vice president of our global marketing function for our healthcare division. So it is global. We focus on really, um, you know, the typical marketing things, promotion, you know, go to market plans, making sure the value propositions are crystal clear to our customers. That's just that simple. Man, I love how you succinctly put that in there like a well-spoken pro. Tim, he set the bar high. What do you do at UPS? I'm, I'm going to struggle to follow that. So uh, again, uh, 40 years or so in the freight forwarding industry and uh, 13 years in the healthcare space, uh, specifically in freight forwarding. And uh, again, senior director over a team that really builds the architectural blueprints for end-to-end -end supply chains globally. And then we, we do something a little bit different uh, in our team at, at UPS is that we're gonna actually build that as a, a general contractor and then take the customer and the client through that as a punch list to ensure that it actually fulfills what they want. And we do that globally and we do that as a turnkey process. And uh, yeah, and again, that's what that's what our team does globally. Wow. Stories you could y'all could write a book. I can only imagine the stories we're not going to be able to get to here today. But uh, hey, Sanjeev tuned in via LinkedIn from India. Great to have you here today. Look forward to your POV. All right, so Greg, gosh, that's a, a combined seventy-two years worth of experience. And we now, Greg, we have a rule of thumb around here, right? So uh, yes. nothing over. We, we usually tell never confess to more than two decades. So <laughs> that's. Right. That's what keeps us young, fellas. Right. So, um, no, but that's really impressive. And I think, you know, what's interesting, you mentioned um, writing a book. I think in the last 18 months, we could write a book about what what has happened in supply chain with supply chain, with awareness of supply chain and the impact that supply chain has had on the world. And as Scott loves to call it, the noble mission, you guys at at UPS Healthcare have contributed significantly to this noble mission of providing PPE and vaccines and other supplies during the pandemic. So, and and all over the world, right? So share a little bit with us about that experience. Yeah, so I, I, great question. And, and I tell you, it's been a wild ride from a supply chain perspective, really dating back to, uh, to early Q1 of, of 2020. And, uh, you, you know, I, I maybe set the initial stage with a PPE piece. Uh, that, that really kicked off in February, March of 2020. And really the way that that, that was the first onset of, of the pandemic and, and really the impact. And, uh, you know, through that process, we were challenged. How, how do you have a specific region uh, that was generating all of that PP equipment and being able to scale up in a quick way and an effective way to help support really the government effort, the, the Project Airbridge, the FEMA. And I'm happy to say that uh, through integrating some of our own equipment, own aircraft, crews, infrastructure, brick and mortar, with trusted third parties, we were able to flex up and over really a two-month time period, manage 131 dedicated aircraft, uh, 26 wow. million pounds of PP equipment. Uh, and that's the equivalency of, uh, of 100 747 uh, uh, freighters. Mm. And uh, or, I'm sorry, 200 747 freighters or almost uh, 
40,000 airline positions of PPE that we were able to scale up and manage and uh, quite a feat. And, uh, you know, think about it, um, the actual cost uh, for a charter and uh, typically out of that region was 300,000 uh, per flight. Wow. Uh, we were seeing a ballpark pricing of one, 1.1, 1.2 million dollars. So wow. not only the challenge of finding equipment crews, but also the cost structure as well. And uh, real proud of what the team accomplished for Project Airbridge. Yeah, that is fantastic. I mean, you you had to mobilize relatively quickly. I mean, and especially, I don't know if everybody kind of remembers the timeline of the vaccine coming out and all of that sort of thing and how that all happened so relatively quickly. And and of course, you know, some of the of the um, vaccine producers, they decided to start by trying to manage the supply chain themselves and um, quote the phrase that many people say, how's that working? For them. Yeah. Um, so, so then you had to also, I mean, you and others had to also come in as kind of backup when ultimately they weren't able to handle the volume. Yeah, it, it, it kind of advanced through on the Project Air Bridge. You know, the next wave for us, uh, Greg, was really uh, the COVID test kits. And, and we went from the PPEs and then pivoting to how do we get out and, and help uh, the, the general audience and, and population to be able to, to, to manage that through the medical process. And, and we were given the challenge by one of the major COVID test kit companies to, to find a way to take from manufacturing in the US 48 uh, and the American uh, uh, islands uh, uh, territories and, and really manage those COVID test kits to get them pushed out uh, and, and integrating uh, our package network, integrating the forwarding network, integrating our healthcare logistics and distribution uh, in line with our capacity management. And, and from a forwarding perspective, we've delivered uh, 22,000 pallets, uh, almost 45 million test kits, uh, exceeding the customer SLAs and getting those test kits out, the COVID test kits out into the into the population. And uh, again, you know, having to scale up uh, trusted partnerships and then also our own brick and mortar, our own infrastructure, our own assets, and uh, and seeing that come together. And um, absolutely awesome feat uh, for many, many uh, men and women within our, our organization. Yeah, that's incredible ramp up. So heard tell of these things and, and Dan, I mean, maybe you can share kind of from your perspective, what was it you were doing while Tim was doing all this work? It is, I'll tell you what though, it is amazing. 26 million pounds. Yeah. I just absolutely. Every time I hear Tim talk about it, just amazing. Um, you know, it's interesting when you think back, you know, in January of 2020, where we were, every, everyone was just worried about protecting themselves. Right. And the other side of the business, we have a, a group called Markin that focuses on clinical trials. So pharmaceutical manufacturers were busy trying to figure out how to solve it. And our division, right, that manages clinical trials was right in the mix. So when you looked at the top uh, 20 uh, viable vaccine solutions back then, we were managing 10 of them and the logistics of getting, you know, the trial, uh, trial samples to the patient, getting diagnostic specimens back for testing. Uh, so that, that first quarter was pretty crazy. Um, I will say this, that that process of us really being engaged January, February, March, April mm -hmm. allowed us to really understand what was coming. And we knew back then that we were going to see these very innovative vaccines at negative 20, negative 80. Um, and it really kind of helped us build, build our operating plans to invest in, in our freezer farms and invest in our, our facilities. Mm -hmm. I think to date, we, uh, this just happened last week, we're at a half a billion doses delivered over 106 countries. Just wow. amazing. Wow. I don't even know. Scale. Yeah. I, I don't even know how to relate to that scale. I mean, it, it's, that's pretty substantial, but Hey, I have worked in the food industry and this notion of freezer farms, frankly, is new to me. So I'd like, I think it would be valuable for the community to learn a little bit more about that. But so zero and sub zero and sub sub zero exists in the food supply chain already, but you really had to ramp up to uh, to deliver this, and and I think you know I think it's it's been a while, right? It's been almost a year, I think, since we started hearing about the requirements of these vaccines and things. But um, and I think people's memory has gotten a little bit cloudy on it. But it was yeah. a real pressing issue in the moment. 
So can you share with us a little bit about that challenge? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, traditional vaccines and biologics are normally at two to eight degrees Celsius, right? So there's a supply chain and storage for that. Um, what was really fascinating is, is the vaccines, the most effective vaccines created are what they call mRNA vaccines, right. which are unique. Um, they are usually negative 20C to negative 80C, and the infrastructure wasn't around. And although we had managed uh, freezer farms in the past, we aggressively had to, had to expand them in order to, to uh, kind of keep up with what was about to happen with vaccine distribution. Uh, I will say this, and this is just an interesting part of it, because I think a lot of people feel like, well, at the time, we were building a church for Sunday, hmm. right, where you're right. investing in all of this infrastructure. And, but, but, you know, the, re the reality is, is that mRNA solutions, cold chain and biologics, it's half of the drug pipeline right now. So what's going to happen is these investments that were made specifically for COVID vaccines, they're just going to continue to be used uh, as we move through uh, the coming years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're getting a ton of comments here uh, just talking about the, the scale and what's been done. I want to go back to Rhonda's comment here because this is a big part of it. So I, I appreciate looking forward to hearing your perspectives on how you led the way for the safety of frontline workers, including our supply chain industry and our medical community. Uh, and, you know, Greg, one other point as we were kind of both uh, you commented about how do you how do you kind of put, wrap your head around the, the sheer scale? Right. Hey, uh, having been in the Air Force and 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 uh, the United States Air Force setting world class standards since 1947, that's exactly where my brain goes uh, when I hear about the scale of this global operation and all the the marshalling of resources to get thing you know make things happen. So um, very few players could do that, especially when. We had to get it done, going back to Rhonda's point. So, Greg, before we talk about innovation, any other comments follow up on your side? Well, I mean, I think probably the biggest point is just how cloudy our, our memories have gotten about this and how proximate and how urgent it was at the time and how important it was to mobilize. And frankly, you know, it, it was difficult. I mean, it was difficult even for a company with the wherewithal of UPS to do that and um, and yet it was done. And, I, you know, I think we talk a lot about the frontline workers, right? And of course, we really appreciate what they did, but the strategy and, and the, I almost said the P word, the pivot, let's just say it, what the heck, the pivot, let's go back to 2020, the pivot in these unprecedented times that had to be made, right, to, to accomplish uh, this took a lot of heads in dark rooms with with whiteboards and you know duct tape and bailing wire to try and figure out how to construct something that had never before existed never before existed and to do so in the amount of time that it had to be done in it was a monumental effort i mean it was i imagine it was a little bit like you know apollo 13 <laughs> failure is not an option well yeah that's it yeah uh so i i, I think that's a great analogy right that was a trying to get something done that's never been done. There's some unforeseen challenges once you got into space, right? This, this, these times we're living in, I mean, yeah, we could draw on some, some long-held best practices and norms, but gosh, so much of it was new. So it just adds to the level of complexity, as we all know. Um, I would also add, I think, and, and we're going to talk about innovation in strangest places here, but, you know, Greg, you and I and the team and, and certainly UPS, we all know that it's the people Right. In this, in this era of technology, it's still the people that get stuff done. But as we've talked about a lot, the, one of the great, one of the many silver linings, if you look for it, related to the pandemic is the awareness in the eyes of the consumer and folks that don't play a role in supply chain that uh, have led to some um, much overdue appreciation for the people, especially in the front lines that, that make yeah. global supply you know, chains hey happen. And Scott, can I just jump in on that one? Because I think that's actually a really important point. Um, you know, UPS has uh, got between 500,000 and 600,000 employees. And one of the things that you know all the way through the front line is everyone knows and knew at the time they were absolutely part of the solution. And there's a sense of pride because they're delivering in their neighborhoods, mm -hmm. right? And it's their communities that they're supporting. And, um, you know, I think we ran, gosh, about 99.9% .9 on time effectiveness in getting these vaccines delivered. Certainly there was technology, but to your point, it's people. 
and everyone just kind of kicked in and and did what they needed to do. Yeah. Definitely a bonding agent when when you've got that degree of a, of a noble purpose to what you're doing. I, I love hearing that. Um, and and Ignacio's got to have the fra- perhaps what the phrase of the day, outstanding yeah. supply chain prowess. He says on LinkedIn. I love that, Ignacio. Great to have you here. Um, all right, so let's. Um, well, here let's put Fabio's comment up here too. From the unknown vaccine supply chain was to billions of doses delivered. Very proud. Well put there, Fabio. Uh, certainly a global effort there. All right. So I love this phrase we talked about pre-show. And Dan, I am going to start with you here. Innovation in the strangest places. So speak to us a little bit about what you're seeing when when uh, it comes to innovation across supply chain, across this pandemic environment. Yeah. So um There have been so many innovations. I mean, when you think about the medical side, just getting these vaccines outdone, right, through regulation and into arms. But I I think if I stick with supply chain, there's probably three areas. One is tracking Uh, the technology that, you know, is available and that we've leveraged for tracking is unbelievable. Uh, And I'll use a simple example, you know. If our, our, uh, our vaccines actually have very specific RFID technology on it, and if it's in a building, you know, our operators have phones in which as they walk closer to these packages, it acts as a Geiger counter. And as they get closer, and literally they can get right on top of these packages within a yard, which is pretty impressive. Wow. The tracking technology is, is big. The other one is mobile freezer units. Um, we have a couple partners. And um, if we get a chance to talk about humanitarian, I'll tell you what these have done with you know, some of the, the more difficult countries, but mobile units that can hold negative ADC, that can plug into your car lighter, that can hold about 12,000 doses. Wow. Um, very impressive technology. And the third, and this is, I guess, the unlikely, is the use of drones. Um, I think we're up to, in Ghana, almost 35,000 doses delivered by drones. And um, again, it's taking a five-hour car ride to 62-minute transit straight to the point. And uh, I think those are some some pretty cool things that have come out of necessity of getting these vaccines to the markets. Agreed. And really practical. I love those practical applications. You know, Matt says, out of crisis comes technology advancement and innovation. It expedites continuous improvement. I agree with that. And also, Greg, it's, it's changing and shaping industry. So we're, we're learning oftentimes, many of these, I believe, we're learning from these lessons. We're learning from these breakdowns. We're applying it so that you know, the path forward, in many cases, is going to be stronger. I don't want to use the R word being resilient because it's been overused so much that I think sometimes folks are losing the definition of what it really means. But lessons are being learned and applied. Greg, your take before, I'm going to flip it over to Tim in a second, but based on what Dan shared. Yeah, undoubtedly. I mean, uh, um, you know, five hours to 62 minutes, right? That's huge and and you think of the terrain right and the road quality i mean we're talking about um ghana so you know we're you're basically putting yourself over the top of all of those obstructions and going straight to the source and what is it necessity is the mother of invention right i mean humankind does not advance because not advance in that at that scale because we want to we do because we have to and we really had to and i think um, you know, the, to, um, to whose point was that? Was that Matt? To Matt's point? Yes. Um, you know, we, we do these things because we have to, and we have, we are starting to hone in on some sustainable, some uh, continue, continuable. Uh, <laughs> I'll go with it. There man. you go, Scott. <laughs> there's, there's mine for you. Um, you know, some, something, some things we can use going into the future. Right. I mean, right now, probably not cost effective, but innovation never starts out as cost effective. It starts out as effective and we bring cost effectiveness into it. Yes. All right. So now I feel a little bit more normal because usually Greg is the perfectly spoken one and I'm the one making (laughs) the words all the time. We know how Friday the 13th has impacted me. It's my vocabulary. (laughs) So, Tim, uh, Greg, we're going to talk about investment here in a minute. Uh, But, Tim, sticking on innovation and, and certainly all of your experience, you've seen a wide variety of innovation through the years, probably you know, nothing like what we're seeing here today in terms of the unique environment, but any additional thoughts in terms of what you've seen and what gets your, your juices going? Yeah. I, I want us to kind of focus back on the people side of the business. We, you know, it's important and, and 
a lot of our great successes, uh, not only through PPEs, through the COVID test kits, but also through the vaccine distribution. I mean, let's face it, is speed uh, without giving up the quality component to it. Uh, we're delivering to Gabon, uh, Northern Mariana Islands, uh, Chad, uh, Mongolia. These are non-traditional places and, and we're executing in hours and, and days as opposed to weeks and doing it effectively without giving up that quality component. And then when you think back even on the scale of the PPE and the COVID uh, test, uh, having a seat at the policy tables, sitting at, at FEMA's table, sitting at Operation Warp Speed, having representatives there so that we're, we're a part of that communication flow and then bringing that back into our supply chain organization to be able to build out the proper uh, architectural. Even within our business unit, uh, having daily calls uh, with our global owners uh, and making sure that that communication is effective and appropriate and we're responding in real time has, has been effective and something that we'll continue to push forward in the healthcare supply chain well beyond uh, the COVID pandemic, for sure. Love that. All right, so Greg, I'm about to toss it back over to you. Wanna pull out a couple of things. Rhonda says global connectiveness, pretty spectacular. I agree with you, Rhonda. Uh, great comment there. And, and so John Martinez, great to have you back. He's down in San Antonio, I believe he's a fellow veteran and he's a continuous improvement guru, by the way. Uh, John's got a question. I'll toss it up to either Dan or Tim. Uh, John says, Hey, did you, do you see the drone advantage in everyday retail, a possibility as a lean strategy and how will that affect supply chains with the people aspect. Any commentary there, Dan? Or Tim? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And, and, you know, this is an area, obviously, UPS as a whole certainly focuses on to try to understand it. Um, we do run pilots on the medical side with, um, I'll just say a big pharmaceutical retailer, um, or I'm so yeah, a big pharmaceutical retailer. Um, but I'll say this, that generally the, the, the governance with the use of drones, it's around regulation. Right. Um, and, you know, in the U.S., we have FAA who has very, very strict protocol and they're trying to balance the use of drones commercially with, you know, the planes that are up there. And uh, pilots certainly have some issues with it. If I shift, there are other countries that are a little bit more relaxed, which is why you're seeing the use of drones in some of these other countries. Um, they're adapting it for commercial purposes at a much faster rate. So I would say right now the jury's still out, at least in, you know, country or uh, regions like Europe, uh, North America, but you're certainly seeing applications in Africa and, and uh, certain uh, countries in Asia. Interesting. Love that. Yeah, yeah. When the skies are open, it makes perfect sense, right? Yes. So, and, and great question, John. All right. So Greg, where are we going next? Yeah. Well, so, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of what we've done has, has required a significant amount of investment. So I'm curious what, Dan, what, you're, you guys are focusing your efforts on in terms of investment at, at UPS Healthcare. Yeah, no, thank you for asking that because it, it certainly has been, um, you know, over this last year, we have put a lot of money into healthcare. We've expanded our footprint, our compliant footprint globally. We're at 11 million square feet. And, and a lot of people don't know this. I mean, a lot of people don't, don't realize that UPS actually has a division and we store pharmaceuticals, biologics, narcotics. Right. Um, you know, we have freezers and coolers. Uh, we manufacture our own dry ice for, for diagnostic uh, specimens. Uh, I thought Tim was going to talk a little bit about some of the special packaging that these guys use, active and passive, to control temperatures when it's on an aircraft. So a lot of investment has gone into those kinds of competencies. Um, the other layer is technology. Uh, we have invested, especially on our small package side, in tracking technology, like I mentioned earlier, so we can see where these packages are. More importantly, our operators can see what's coming in, they see what's in their building, and then they also see what just left. So it's perfect accountability. I think the third place, and I don't know if we'll get a chance to talk about this, but it is uh, in the equitable distribution of vaccines. Um, so UPS has put $1 million into just supporting getting vaccines to the right place. It's crazy. And, and I noticed you had a few folks, I think, from India and Africa. Um, right now, some of uh, there's 92 countries on the more lower income side. Out of 2 billion doses they were supposed to get, they only got $100 million. Hmm. And what UPS is trying to do is, you know, through the use of, of our forwarding business unit, um, we have loaned executives in countries to help manage logistics. 
We do gift and kind services, and uh, we'll work with our pharmaceutical partners just to try to get vaccines into these markets. And I think that's a that's a key focus. That was one of the concerns early on: was how would would all of this get distributed to countries, and then within some of these countries with lesser infrastructure, right? So uh, that's a great contribution. That's an uh, that is a noble mission for certain, right? So you continue that great work. So I'm curious uh, as to whatever extent you can look into the future, and I recognize that may be difficult for you, but, um, and it's been difficult for all of us, hasn't it? But, you know, as you've talked about innovation and as we've talked about the disruption that you've already managed in, you know, throughout supply chain, the disruption hasn't ceased, it's just changed shape. So I'm curious, you know, what you guys see in the future or how you're kind of tackling the future of healthcare supply chain. Yeah, so um, there are three three areas we're focused on. I'll start with the obvious since it's part of our discussion here. It is sterile and biologics, right? Vaccines is, is clearly in this COVID, this pandemic has forced us to invest. It was the place we were gonna invest anyway. It just accelerated it like it has for many business models. So we're gonna continue to, to uh, focus on that area. Um, and when I say that, it is going to be investing in technology mm-hmm. over freight, ocean, small package to make sure that when a pharmaceutical manufacturer ships something, they can see where it is regardless of mode, regardless of storage, and really be able to make better decisions. Um, I think some of the other areas, though, that probably are, are more interesting is cell and gene therapy, which is, I know it sounds a little over-scientific, but medicines are changing. And now what's right. happening is... is you know, you, you know, the, pharmace- the, the pharmaceutical industry, the medical industry is able to extract cells out of our body, re-engineer them, mm-hmm. put them back into our body to fight the cancers, the respiratory illnesses, and even diabetes. And that cell and gene therapy is something that we're going to continue to focus on and get very, very good at it. Um, and then I think the third is, and this is probably a very obvious one, is home health right? Everything is being pushed to the home. Um, you can do diagnostic samples at the home, send it into the lab for testing. Matter of fact, I just set my cholesterol in. <laughs> I won't tell you what it turned out to be, but... Um, well, you're from you Pittsburgh, get, so we have a pretty good idea. I hear pierogies and yeah. cheese, yeah. Pierogies and Permani Brothers sandwiches, right? <laughs> but yeah, home health. Home health's a big one. And um, certainly how we integrate with our partners and how we make it easier for our partners to get into the home yeah. and get the specimens out is a key focus. Yeah, Tim, anything else you want to add? Uh, a little different tact on my side and really some interesting things that Dan shared. What we've seen through the, through, uh, through the pandemic is the integration of a single network uh, where we see the power of, of each of the business units, the small package, the Markin, our healthcare logistics, the freight forwarding arm, our managed transportation. And where historically we've, we've operated independently and try to join them, what we've found is single face, single approach, single architecture to the client to speed up the, the process, uh, to make it easier for them to transform their supply chain with speed. And, and then we manage the puppets behind the scenes, right? That we bring the power and, and what we're seeing is weaving in and out of those business units in a seamless way for the client. Now, sound, sounds easy on paper, much more difficult uh, in, in scale and scope in a, a company like UPS. And, and we're successfully doing that in the vaccine. We did it in the PPEs. We did it in the, in the COVID test kits. And we believe that's going to be a great innovation as we continue to scale that and mature that process going forward in the supply chain. Mm. You know, Greg, we had Steve McMichael with us last week, which has right. also brought considerable expertise to the table and, and just incredibly challenging times. You know, one of the big takeaways there for our team from that conversation was the dynamic aspect of, of the UPS solution and, and how critical that is in this area, in this land, this, this uh, environment right now where things are moving by the minute. Uh, but it sounds like between this, this uh, dynamic duo here with Dan and Tim, these are the folks, the seasoned pros that you want to, um, they should be on your, your bat phone short list, right? Uh, when, when, when you got it, when you got to get stuff moved or, um, you know, that there's a, a challenge that we're going through now. Uh, Greg, now's not the time for resources we can't trust, right? You'd be hard-pressed to find, you'd be hard-pressed to find a number of entities that could attack a, a, a challenge as complex as what we've seen in the last 18 months, right? Right. Um, well, wow, now 20 months. 
time flies when you're whether you're having fun or not. Um, yeah, no kidding. So, <laughs> That's right. And, um, and, the and I think and you're right. The, and and you know what's interesting about what Tim, what you just said is even within your own organization, you're finding new ways to collaborate amongst your organization. So my buddy Dan Dismukes um, was asking me when he when I invited him to this. He works at UPS. When when I asked him about this, he said, "Hey." is there going to be a replay? And the good news is, yes, Dan, there is going to be a replay. I know. Um, I'm sure he'll be glad that he got a shout out on this show. But but I think this what's important about this show, and I think it makes, it makes it worthwhile to go back and look through it, is to think about the context of the times. If someone can go back and look through what we've just discussed in the context of the times in which it occurred, it makes it all the more amazing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it really accentuates what we know to be the truth, which is UPS is the, you know, one of the premier logistics, supply chain, parcel, you name it, company, healthcare now, uh, companies out there. And we got to add for Ben Harris's sake, one of our friends at the Metro Atlanta Chamber. Oh, right. A vital cog in hashtag supply chain city. That's right. So, uh, we, we got all our shout outs. We got Tommy Boy, right. we got Dan, <laughs> Danny Boy, and we got Benny. Boy, so. so so we got a, just a couple of questions ago, uh, but before we get, I want to circle back on the event, and then we're going to make sure folks are going to connect with y'all directly, folks out in the skyboxes in our community. And Tim, hey, we hate that you're late, especially Tim is deeply involved in healthcare supply yeah. chain. But uh, stay tuned; replay will be available. Yeah. Um, but one quick, simple question, especially given all of y'all's experience, and we like um, we like talking about Eureka moments. I'm going to give y'all a chance uh, to think about that, especially whether it is you know the last 20 months as Greg spoke about or you know going a little bit further back as especially as as uh, the information age came upon us um, I'd love to uh, I'd love to what's a powerful moment that you had as you as you navigate these times especially when you compare and contrast it with other aspects of your career any comments there and if you want to take it offline we can but Dan in any anything's come to mind gosh well, you know I have a there's a couple. Um, and I'm, I mean, the, the ones that stand out, um, you know, I, I think I'll never forget our first operation warp speed call because it was a great collaboration. You had HHS, you had, it was military run. We had FedEx and UPS on there. You had McKesson. So it was a great collaboration of public and private mm-hmm. organizations. And I, I think one of the aha moments, and this is literally the second call, you know, and it, you know, a, a military run call. Right. So after, you know, very strict, right. every time they say something, That's it's like, you got book. that over? Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. UPS, FedEx, you got that over? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I, it was just one of these things where you recognize the significance of what this team was about to do. It wasn't talk about politics, not blue or red. It was about the activity. And, and I think I walked off of that second call and I was with um, my boss, Wes Wheeler, and I was just so impressed with that this group was gonna get it done. And they ended up being one of the leaders as far as getting vaccines developed, choosing the right vaccines to populate our US community with, and then getting it right from the manufacturer into arms. And that was a pretty big, big thing um, for me. I think the second one, if I can throw another one in there, we're all working from home and our kids are all over the place, right? Regardless of what age. (laughs) And I can remember it was like maybe the third or fourth call where we're talking about what's gonna happen and then some news thing comes on and my kids are hearing me talk about, you know, the program. And it's also the same programs being talked about on the TV. And again, it was one of those things where it kind of you realized how significant uh, of an event it was. And those were two two moments. I'm Gosh. sure you have a bunch. I, I, got, I just got to say really quick, Tim, before you start, you know, Dan, thanks so much for sharing. Yeah. I, I know. Uh, um, there's a, a, a probably a number of personal and kind of private moments and public moments as we 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 fought through these 20 months together. But that's got to be some fulfilling hours uh, as mm-hmm. part of your very successful career. And and uh, again, for me, it takes me back to the Air Force and the post 9/11 days. And Greg, we've chatted about that before. Yeah, and those are those are unifying times and put the party and the some of the some of the conflict and vitriolic stuff aside and let, let's fight through this together. Tim, um, your comments. Yeah, I tell you, I've, I've been absolutely floored and blown away by the depth of care and sincerity and compassion globally uh, for people doing the right thing and, and, and sustaining that. Now, we're talking about 20 months of hard running and, and the folks today uh, that we engage every single day globally 
still have that deep-seated compassion and fire and drive uh, to serve the public and the people groups of the world. And, and that's, 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 you don't make that up. That comes from the depth of within uh, character. And it's yeah. awesome to see. It makes you jump out of bed, I'm sure, every day. Um, that's the good stuff. All right, so Greg, we're going to talk about this event here in a minute. Um, it, it's tough to, I tell you, after what they've both shared, to go to an event. Uh, I, I feel like we could dive into uh, some, of these, some of these things they've been a part of. But what, what's the thought, Greg, based on what Dan and Tim just shared there that it comes to your mind? Well, I think, Tim, what you said about running hard for 20 months, right, and no end in sight, and just the agility and the flexibility and the pure, unadulterated drive of, frankly, every supply chain professional and, and many people, whether they were associated with supply chain or not, doing very much the same thing. And I think, um, you know, I think we all deserve a round of applause, frankly, for, for doing that. And um, it is really energizing to see what humankind can, can endure if we have to. And I think, um, you know, to me, that that speaks volumes to what is going on here. And UPS is a microcosm, 500,000 person microcosm right. of that. But, um, you know, I think that that's, you know, just the human spirit that has survived and frankly thrived through this is, is what's really, really inspiring. Uh, constructive dissatisfaction, I'm sure, played a big part in, in making this thing happen. Now, uh, Desiree or Desire, I apologize if I got that wrong, but I love this comment here. Pretty impressive how companies mobilized to tackle COVID-related bottlenecks, especially with limited data about the virus, which is a big, big point there, constraint, developing the vaccine, and most importantly, getting the vaccine to different areas and varied conditions and with with some uh, uh, equitably, uh, as, as Dan referenced, a million-dollar investment. And, you know, Tim talks about the last mile being a big challenge for Operation Warp Speed. Uh, Tim, to your question, I was a 2R051, a maintenance data systems analyst, a lowly data analyst in Air Force, but uh, on exercises and other operations, they pulled us in to, to lock down pallets uh, in the bell, uh, in the um, in aircraft and, and elsewhere. And that, those, those were some long days, but man, some really some camar- uh, kindred spirit and camaraderie driven days. So very rewarding. Okay. Barbara says the pandemic has and continues to stretch supply chain professionals for sure. And we, you know, Barbara, great point. And it will continue to do so, right? Mm-hmm. Um, supply chains being leaned upon for so many reasons, surely with the vaccine, but also uh, all the other means and, and and missions that protect the psyche of consumers and, and allow them to, you know, get things safely a, a number of different ways. And so I appreciate uh, UPS's role. And by the way, Dan, I appreciate as you talked about all the players on that call, not only the politics not getting away, but um, rivalries did not get in the way. It was all about getting yeah. Everybody know, knows purple and brown don't go together. So that was a <laughs> that was a big move right there. That was, that was. Uh, for the greater good. And and as Tim mentioned, it comes comes deep down from character when you when you can pull that and make it that happen. Okay. Uh, I really enjoyed this last segment, the whole conversation, but especially the last segment. Let's talk really quick about this event coming up. Uh, a great resource for supply chain professionals and, and others around the world. Uh, the second semi-annual Supply Chain Virtual Connect powered by UPS Supply Chain Solutions. So, um, Dan, uh, let's start with you. Any what, what, what do, What's one thing you're looking forward to as part of this event? Oh, you know, for these kinds of events, I, for me, and this is maybe a little personal, but I love the networking. Um, I love to be able to connect to peers and, you know, really have those kinds of conversations that you might not have. Um, your content's going to be great, but I really love to be able to interact. And, and um, I, I think that's, that's usually worth, uh, worth the money of entrance, you know? That's right. Power, uh, that's worth the purchase. And in this case, it's, uh, they make it really easy. Sign up and be a part. Tim, what are you looking forward to as part of this event? I, I love the fact that it's a, a collaboration between folks that are inside UPS and and then uh, experts, industry experts. So you're hearing a lot of different voices, quite similar to what Dan said. It's it's a networking opportunity, but uh, it's thought leadership uh, in its basic form. And uh, you, we're never too old uh, or never too smart uh, to, uh, to learn something from somebody else. And that's the beauty of it. Continuous learning, everyday uh, learning. Yep. Big believer there, Dan and Tim. Again, September 1st, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, the link to, to join that is in the show notes, but also Clay and the team have made it really easy. Looks like all of us have made it really easy to, to uh, sign up. They dropped the link in the comments there in the sky boxes. So, okay. 
Um, so many more questions, so many more stories. An hour is never long enough, uh, especially with uh, folks like Dan and Tim that have so much experience right. and, and journeys to draw on. But let's make sure folks can connect with you both. So, uh, Dan, how would you suggest folks connect with you? So, you know, there's three sources. We've got our UPS Healthcare website, which is very easy to connect. Uh, and then we're also UPS Healthcare on LinkedIn and on Twitter. And uh, certainly you can find me out there and uh, love to hear from folks. So, um, yeah, please don't be shy. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, Dan. And Tim, how about you? But much the same way. And uh, you can connect through uh, LinkedIn uh, or through the uh, UPS Healthcare website as well. It's just that easy. I got to yeah. share a couple of comments before we let y'all go. Tim says, everyone needs to let logistics do what we do and no one will get hurt. I love that. <laughs> uh, Lisa says, really proud to be part of the team via LinkedIn. Great, great. Love to hear that, Lisa. And there's one other comment. Uh, let's see. Tim says, you know, I was talking about loading aircraft. He's been there, done that too, with the 40, 463L aircraft pallets. That's what I remember um, as well. Strapping those things down and I could never figure out, I still can't ever figure out how to work those, uh, those ratchet, ratchet belts. straps. Yeah. Oh gosh. I'm terrible with that, but I'm a pro. I got you, boo. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. So, so we could put you to work at UPS. Yes. Is that what I'm Absolutely. Oh, yeah. right. As long as I can earn a coin, uh, like, like the, uh, uh, I earned one, the Colonel of our, uh, maintenance, maintenance logistics squadron. I think it was called popped in and the whole room went to attention and it came over to my desk and I thought for sure, when a full bird colonel comes over to you unexpectedly, you know, my mind's racing. What do I do wrong? And he extended this coin and it just, it's one of those simple things that just, it, it sticks with you for a lifetime. So I, I really, we on behalf of Supply Chain Now admires what uh, outstanding companies like UPS has done during these ever challenging times that just will not, um, you know, it seems like some days no end in sight, but the good news is great people, are coming together across all types of lines to make things happen and to help folks around the around the world. So big thanks to Dan Gagnon, Vice President, Global UPS Healthcare Marketing and Strategy with UPS Healthcare, and Tim Fosno, Senior Director, UPS Global Freight Forwarding. Thanks to you both. Yeah, thanks, Jen. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank okay. you. Yeah, thank you. Enjoyed the time. Greg, man, you know, whenever we have a little extra time, you know, we're, we're as anyone that's ever been on any of our growing uh, inventory of episodes, you know, I'll, I like a good interview framework. I think it helps put our, puts our guests at ease and, you know, it's very conversational, authentic, but it kind of helps f- people pre- prepare for what they're going to share. And we had a little extra time this afternoon and, uh, I'm glad we didn't go straight to that event. I, I, we love hearing people's Eureka moments. And yeah. And in that last segment, Greg, all of it was genuine, but in that last segment, it was like straight from the heart, straight for, uh, like, you can see the purpose, I think, in Dan and Tim of why they do what they do. Huh? Yeah, clearly. Clearly. I mean, you know, it made me think um, this was the right industry to be so heavily impacted by this crisis because folks like Dan and Tim and really all supply chain professionals, we're used to disruption. We weren't used to the level of disruption that, of course, the, this great seismic societal disruption has created. But who could have been more, if this had been a sales problem, right? And I'm, I'm a sales guy at heart, but I mean, I, I'm just so glad that it was supply chain people into whose laps this problem fell because the ability, the drive, the experience to have met these kind of challenges in the past and to adapt and improvise and overcome, um, you know, to, to make this happen, I, I don't know what could be greater evidence than the discussion we just had right here. Excellent point. Uh, they were called the global supply chain community and leadership. Their number was called and they yep. answered the call and we, and we still have heavy lifting to do. But if this story here doesn't get your juices going, uh, doesn't doesn't create more intrigue and interest in what goes on across global supply chain. Hey, you got to check your pulse. I'm telling you. So, and you can tell in the comments, domain, uh, uh, remain. Sorry, I told you they're rock stars. We knew they're rock stars. Remain. I'm with you. I am with <laughs> yeah. you. I love that. Uh, Barbara, big thanks to Tim and Dan uh, for sharing the UPS healthcare story. Delapo, great point here to each of our unsung heroes. We appreciate each each and every day, especially uh, folks across the front line that never had the chance you know, to be interviewed. Uh, Ron, I can't wait to connect with these young spirited men. I agree with you, Tim. All loggies deserve a coin during these days behind the scene heroes. Tim, excellent point. Yeah. Greg, we got to add a coin 
to our next order of money. I was thinking about that when you used that story. I was thinking, I wish I, we had a couple coins to offer to Dan and Tim, right? We're going to have to do that for sure. Uh, Esme, I'm with you. Uh, I, I love what they have shared here today. Delapo uh, offering up thanks. Tim says, the part I liked the most, most uh, all logistics professionals put away the logos and work together to get products to those in need. An awesome job. And, and Natalie, yeah. finally, this is why. I've been in supply chain for at least two decades. Natalie's got the message. <laughs> She's on it. She's on it. Dude. Okay. So we hate as much as we hate to wrap up this episode. I loved Tim and Dan's message here today. Um, and you know, some of these, you, you want to just bolt on an extra hour, Greg, right. And dive deeper and go ahead and get the book written that both of these folks could probably write here today. Ordinarily, but, um, I would say yes, Scott, but two things. One, it's Friday the 13th, and I don't want to press <laughs> my luck. And two, it's National Prosecco Day. <laughs> That's all right. We got to get to it. Lots of food. We got to make sure that we got to make sure that Tim and Dan can get home and get home safely and ha and to celebrate with their beloved spouses on National Prosecco Day. Absolutely. Uh, on that note, folks, y'all join us at the uh, second annual, second semi-annual Supply Chain Virtual Connect on September 1st. The link yeah. is in the comments. Make sure you connect with Dan and Tim, all the great folks at UPS Healthcare, UPS Global Freight Forwarding. On behalf of Greg and Allie and Jade and Amanda and Clay, the whole team here that helps make production happen. Hey, if you hear one thing, hear this. Hey, do good give forward and be the change that's needed. Take action like these folks did. And on that note, we'll see you next time right here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.